Good morning, and welcome to the April 14, 2023 regular meeting of the San Francisco Ethics Commission. Today's meeting is being live cablecast on SFGov TV 2 and streamed live online at sfgovtv.org slash ethics live. For public comment, members of the public may attend in person or may participate by phone or the WebEx platform as explained in our agenda item. Um, Mr. Clerk, can you please explain how the remote public comment will be handled? Thank you, Madam Chair. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each member of the public will be allowed three minutes to speak. For those attending in person, opportunities to speak during the public comment period will be made available here in room 400 City Hall. For those attending remotely, public comment period can also be provided via phone call by calling 1-415-655-0001. Again, the phone number is 1-415-655-0001. Access code is 2597-294-2350. Again, the access code is 2597-294-2350, followed by the pound sign. Then press pound again to join as an attendee. For callers, you will hear a beep when you are connected to the meeting. You will be automatically muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to raise your hand and to be added to the public comment line. You will then hear, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait until the host calls on you. The line will be silent as you wait your turn to speak. Ensure that you're in a quiet location. Before you speak, mute the sound of any equipment around you, including television, radio, or computer. It is especially important that you mute your computer if you are watching via the web link to prevent feedback and echo when you speak. When the system message says your line has been unmuted, this is your turn to speak. You will hear staff say, welcome caller. We encourage you to state your name clearly. As soon as you begin speaking, you will have three minutes to provide your public comment, six minutes if you're online with an interpreter. You will hear a bell go off when you have 30 seconds remaining. If you change your mind and wish to withdraw yourself from the public comment line, press star three again. You will hear the system say you have lowered your hand. Once your three minutes has expired, staff will thank you and mute you. You will hear your line has been muted. Attendees who wish to speak during other public comment periods stay on the line and listen for the next public comment opportunity and should raise a hand and should raise their hands to enter the public comment line by pressing star three when their next item of interest comes up public comment may also be submitted in writing and will be shared with the Commission after this meeting has concluded and will be included as part of the official meeting file written comments should be sent to ethics.commission at sfgov.org once again written comments should be sent to ethics.commission at sfgov.org Thank you, Okay, thank you, Clerk. I now call the meeting to order. Agenda item number one, roll call, please. Commissioners, if you can unmute your presence and indicate. I can barely hear you. You can unmute yourself. All right, uh, verbally indicate your presence by saying A, I, after your name is called. Commissioner Finlove. Aye. Chair Lee. Aye. Commissioner Romano. Aye. Charlie, with three members present and accounted for, you have a quorum. Thank you. And now, agenda item number two, which is public comment on matters not appearing on the agenda. Okay, do we, we are checking to see if there are any callers in the queue. Please stand by, there's no one in public. Uh, 
SFGov TV. Do we have any callers in the queue? I'm sorry? We have one caller in the queue. Please stand by. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. Good morning. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao, E-L-L-E-N-L-E-E-Z-H-O-U. I was a public health worker for public health for more than 10 years. I am a union delegate representing government employee. I have been a resident for San Francisco for more than 37 years. I care about my city. I was the one running for mayor in 2018 and 2019. You, the ethnic commissioners, and the department has been retaliating me after I ran for mayor. I have been coming to ethnic commission for public hearing with many government employees. Different days, in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. The last time I spoke to you at the commission was in August 13, 2021, which I spoke out that San Francisco has been running a government like communism, a tyranny government. Now we learn it has been controlled by the deep state, the people's enemy within our government, the most public elected officials and the leaders are paid and bought into the office to purposely impose Agenda 21, which is Agenda 2030. Now, another word is one world order government that San Francisco has been trying to do. I report government leaders lie about the pandemic COVID-19. I report crime against humanity by forcing COVID-19 vaccination for school, for business, and for jobs. Now we see more and more people dying from vaccination but San Francisco still had a policy, a communism policy, no vaccination, no job. I was retaliated for reporting facts and data about government leaders and officials lied to the public. Then I was terminated by my public work in September 2022 after I reported crime against humanity. As of today, April 14, 2023, we, the unvaccinated government employees, thousands of us still have five active lawsuits against the mayor, health officials, city leaders about lying to the public by forcing vaccination illegally, violate people's medical choice, religious freedom, constitutional right. Now we see more and more people sick and dying from forcing vaccination. May God, our creator, send death angels to remove those in the government Your three minutes has expired. Positions. Next caller, please. Next caller. Do we have any, looks like, do we have any other callers? Okay, we have no other callers in the queue, Madam Chair. Okay, public comment is closed. 
Now let's move to consent calendar. Uh, colleagues, as noted on the agenda, there will be no separate discussions on the consent calendar item unless a request is made by a commission member or a member of the public in attendance, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. If any commissioner asks to discuss the item, that item will be taken up following action on the consent calendar items on the regular calendar for discussion and action. I first would uh, uh, want to remove item number six for uh, the next commission um, discussion. I also would like to remove items nine and 10 to be considered under regular calendar. Any other items? Yes, Madam Chair, I would request that items eight and 11 also be removed from the consent calendar. Okay. Okay, so do I have a motion to approve consent calendars item three, four, five, seven? So moved. Second. Okay, public comment, please. Let's go. All right, looks like we have no public comment in person. And it looks like we, oh, we do have two callers in the queue. Please stand by. Okay. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. It looks like we have two attendees with their hands raised. Uh, Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Great. Uh, David Pilpel, good morning. Uh, I'd like to pull item four, the acting executive director's uh, report. Thanks. We have a second caller in the queue. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao. I spoke in the item before everybody spoke. I oppose the ethic commission continue to do public business without public knowledge. As you can look around your room, you don't see a lot of people. You don't see a lot of people in Zoom and webinar. Whatever you have been doing, it's inside job, has nothing to do with the public. Earlier I said it, as of today, many people dying on the street at the commission did nothing to stop people uh, overdose on the street. Did nothing to the homeless. People are dying and suffering. The human resources fired more than 2,500 public employees, unvaccinated employees, include many police, fire firemen. I am here today to inform you if at the commission to continue to do monkey business like you have been doing, you pull report, you prepare report, but has no benefit, nothing, no benefit for the public. May God, our creator, send death angels to remove the government leaders and public officials who continue to work for Satan 
the Satanic Agenda 2030. May God end the one world government in San Francisco. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. May God bless San Francisco. We turn to God, we turn to Jesus. In Jesus' holy name. And God bless you all. And I hope you guys understand you are representing communism in San Francisco because none of you speak the truth. You don't even stand up for the people who work for the government. Thank you. I just want to make a quick point. Um, no matter how you feel about issues, I'm not sure calling for the death of public officials is a productive use of public comment or civic engagement. Civic engagement. Thanks. Further, I think that this commission should interrupt people who are making inappropriate comments on public comment. I encourage you to do that so in the future. Looks like there's no more callers in the queue, Madam Chair. Okay, public comment is closed. Uh, since we have a member of the public who had requested um, to take out one of the items out, so um, Commissioner Finlov, would you like to amend your motion uh, to delete um, four for separate discussion? I, so, guess, I guess I have a question. I'm not sure whether members of the public can call out items from the consent calendar. Yes, they can. I guess if they can if call out, but does they have any authority to remove it from the consent calendar? Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Deputy City Attorney Brad Rusty. The Commission's bylaws and on the agenda it states that a member of the public can request a, an item be removed from the consent calendar and to be considered by the entire Commission. So they can request it, but does that mean that it's removed? <laughs> I mean, the implication is that the Commission would do that. So I, I, okay, I don't mind doing it here. The issue is there's no action item on the item that the caller requested. It's a report from the Executive Director. I think in the future, if the caller wants to make public comment on it, the caller should just do that during the consent calendar public comment. That said, sure, let's amend it and give the caller a chance to make remarks on that particular uh, point. So I amend my motion to accept the balance of the consent calendar. Pages three, five, and seven. Um, roll call, please. Okay, motion has been made. I will Need not a take second. And then. Okay. Maybe there's no second. <laughs> I'll second. Just okay. move it. A motion has been made in second. I will now take roll. Commissioner Finlove? Aye. Chair Lee? Aye. Commissioner Romano? Aye. With three votes in the affirmative, it's been approved unanimously, Chair Lee. Okay, let's go to agenda item now that is on the regular agenda item number four, which is the acting executive director's report. I would move that because there's no real discussion or anything to vote on, we'd have public comment. If the public commenter wanted to make a comment to raise something to our attention, I'd be happy to do that. Otherwise, I think we should move along as expeditiously. Open uh, public comment, please. Madam Chair, it looks like we have one caller in the queue. Please stand by. Great. David Pilpel, you can hear me okay? Yep. Great. Thanks very much. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to make a big deal about this. I just wanted to uh, call attention to the uh, budget update that's included in the acting uh, EDs report. Um, I worry that the uh, budget cuts uh, requested um, will not allow uh, 
perhaps some of the mandated functions of the uh, commission to continue in the next uh, two fiscal years. I think it's actually very simple, either uh, reduce uh, those mandates or, or fund them. Um, and I think that we're pretty limited in reducing uh, the mandates that have been uh, approved by the voters. Um, and I think it is perhaps unlikely that the Board of Supervisors is going to uh, move quickly to uh, reduce mandates that it is Im imposed by ordinance. So uh, I think the alternative is to uh, fund the uh, staff and uh, non-salary um, uh, items uh, in the budget to allow the commission and the staff uh, to exist to perform uh, those mandated functions. Uh, again, I just wanted to call attention to that. I'm sure the budget process will continue to play out in the next few months, and I'm not sure there's anything the commission can or should do at this time other than monitor the situation. Thank you very much for listening. Thank, Thank you. you. And, and I would encourage you to continue to uh, uh, participate throughout the budget process because uh, we really need to um, keep this commission's uh, operation to continue. Thank you. Any other callers? Madam Chair, there's no further callers in the queue. Okay, let's, um, so do we need to approve? No. Okay, agenda item number eight, please, um, Commissioner but you had Romano. Moved, haven't you, are we had to, didn't you remove six or seven? No, six was already continued. Oh, six is? Next month. Oh, it's just continued to next month. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so okay, I need to, uh, hello. I'm going to recuse myself from um, item number eight. It's not that I have any financial interest in the um, Bear Star, who's the subject of the um, investigation, but I do have a family connection to the company, and I'd, I just don't think it's appropriate that I vote on the stipulation. And since we uh, would require three votes to move this forward, and since there are only two, two of us, uh, able to vote in this one so I would propose that we uh, move this to the next commission meeting so let's go to agenda item number nine uh, several of us had requested to remove this uh, specifically on the penalty um, item so mr. Ford can you give us an update please Sure, glad to do that. Um, hello, commissioners. For the record, Pat Ford, Director of Enforcement. Um, so this matter is item nine on the agenda in the matter of Yaku Askew. Uh, this uh, is a settlement agreement. It's a stipulated settlement. And just for anybody watching that's not familiar, uh, enforcement matters can be resolved through two ways. Through a settlement agreement with the respondent that the commission needs to approve in order for it to become uh, effective, or through the commission's administrative hearing process, which we'll talk about at a later agenda item. So this is a settlement agreement. Um, this one involves three counts. Uh, one is for contracting with the city while serving as a city officer. The respondent in this case, uh, at the time in question, was a member of the San Francisco Arts Commission. The other two counts are for financial conflicts of interest. Uh, the respondent uh, took two governmental actions on matters that involved a financial interest for him. Um, so the penalties are $2,000 for contracting uh, with the city while serving as a city officer. The second count is uh, a financial conflict. Uh, the respondent voted on an item 
uh, that actually was the project that he was the contractor for. So counts one and two are actually related in that way. Count one is for being a contractor, which you're not allowed to do. Count two is in his official capacity, he actually took an official action on that very contract. And that's why the penalty for count two is $4,000, which is close to the maximum of 5,000 since there is uh, a heightened aggravating factor there. Uh, count three is a financial conflict, has a lower penalty, $2,500. Uh, that's because the uh, matter that the respondent voted on was not something that he was separately involved in. Uh, he was involved with the subject of that decision, but on an unrelated project. So it is prohibited for him to take that action, uh, but it does not have the same level of aggravation that count two does. That's why it has a lower penalty. So if you have any additional questions about this case, uh, be glad to, to answer that. Um, hopefully that context is helpful for you. I didn't, I think this is a good enforcement action. I think this is an, is an appropriate penalty. I think irrespective of whatever intentions the parties had, this is just not appropriate. So I think it's a good action and I thank the staff for working on this. Um, I do have a question, Mr. Ford. Uh, the, the, the commission has given the authority to impose maximum penalties. And in this case, um, can you explain why you did not impose the maximum? And can I just amend that? Isn't the maximum $5,000 or three times the amount the person failed to report, extended, gave, or received? And here, wouldn't this isn't, aren't we talking about almost over? almost $4 million in contracts, and wouldn't that be $12 million is the maximum penalty? Yes, this is one of those cases where the actual contract itself is something that was prohibited. The respondent should not have done that. So in theory, yes, the, okay, the proceeds so, so should- So nowhere near the maximum? Uh, no. Great. But in terms of the $5,000 maximum, uh, you did not choose to apply that. Uh, so can you explain why? Yes, uh, usually we, we try to reserve that uh, 3x multiplier or you know, basing the penalty on the amount received uh, for cases where we think um, that that's appropriate to do, that there was some kind of uh, unjust enrichment, uh, that the person really should not have gotten that income, that the income itself is problematic. Here, uh, we didn't see any indication that the, that the respondent was actually able to use his, his office to get the contract. Um, so we didn't do that. But we, he voted to approve the contract. Um, so he, it's, that was after he had already been uh, selected to be the, to be the subcontractor. Right, but then he needed to approve the overall project. He needed to approve an He wouldn't have gotten paid if it wasn't approved. Uh, he, so I should clarify, so he was not on the Public Utilities Commission, which is actually the commission that approved it. Right, he it was the C Civic Design and Review Committee, correct? Correct. But that needed to be approved, the whole project needed to be approved before he would get paid, correct? Correct. So he did vote to approve his own project? Yes, aspect of it, yes. And it was two, that one was $2.7 million to him? Correct. And he's the sole proprietor of the? Uh, yes. How many other voting members of the body were there? Uh, it's a five-member body, so there's four. On others. the Civic Design Review Committee? Yes. He should have recused himself. Absolutely. I think it's because of that I wonder why the maximum. I understand that. The maximum the, is. I know, that one we can go there, but at least for the lower threshold or the 
the maximum, which is $5,000, which you did not impose, uh, I do have a question with that because compared to the huge contract that he has received, this is really, you know, it's not even this, you know, $8,000, $8,500 is really, uh, you know, nothing compared to, you know, the contract. And, and I do agree with Commissioner Romano. He should have, and he knew he should have recused himself from voting. And that was, you know. You know what the vote was? Was it unanimous? We don't have the information offhand. Um, we have not obviously discussed this. I assume my commissioners were concerned the penalty was too high, not too low. Um, so I think a higher penalty may have been appropriate, but I'm happy to, in this case, defer to staff's judgment on where they ended up. I think it sends an important message, and it's at a level that I think uh, will help make the point that we're trying to make and also hold this person accountable for his conduct. Well, I, for one, have a grave concern this, what this sends the message because we've had um, ongoing discussions on, like, compared to, you know, what they, what they receive through this contract and, you know, a million-dollar contract compared to $8,500 penalty. It's, it's no comparison. So I, I, would, um, I would not approve, I would not vote to approve this settlement, uh, and I would ask the staff to go back to really revisit. Uh, Can, yeah, I'm not going to vote to approve this either. Um, I have similar concerns. I just, can you say how you learned about this issue? Yeah, uh, I want to say it was a complaint that we received, um, but I, I would want to confirm that with you. But I believe this came in as a complaint. This was not self-disclosure, if that's what the no, I, question it, well, is. I got that, but I yeah. was wondering how it came about in the first instance. So somebody, and do we know who and what capacity? And Yeah, I would need to get back to you with that, Okay, what the details were behind the complaint. Um, also, it's probably not something that I could share publicly. Well, that's um, what I was asking. Yeah. Rather than voting on it today, is this a matter we can uh, vacate or defer and then give you time to work on it as you see appropriate? Yeah, I mechan could. Mechanically, is that something that's mm -hmm. permissible? Among other things, given the amount of money that we're talking about, I'm, I'm interested in the fine, but I also think more of a public airing of what happened here would be helpful, so not just a revisiting of the fine. And that might require a full administrative hearing because this is $4 million that this person voted to receive. Yep, so the city. What, what we'll do at this point is we'll go back to the respondent, we'll have the same discussion with him, uh, we'll try and reach a different settlement that reflects a higher penalty, and then if we can't, then we'll proceed through the hearing process. Right, it's not just, but what I'm trying to say is, even if it proceeds by stipulation, it's not just the penalty that I'm interested in. I think that there needs to be more transparency about this case. What happened? How did it happen? How did it come about? What's going on? It's, it's, you guys did an excellent job here, but it's, it's difficult to read this document and follow all of the um, details. So I'd like more of it, please. Yep, we can do that.
So we just, yeah, so what's the procedural steps do we need to do? To move on to the next item. So, so you could vote to continue the matter uh, to the call of the chair. Um, you could vote to uh, make a vote to reject the settlement if that's. Can we just take no action at all? And then the matter will come before us again when it I, does? I think that's fine too, yes. May I propose that we vote to reject this proposal and direct the staff to go back to work with the, um, the parties? So I would prefer to do that. I second that. Okay, so let's take a vote to, do I have a motion to? I think you just made the you motion. You just made the motion, I second okay. it. <laughs> okay, uh, roll call please. A motion has been made and seconded. I will now take roll. Oh, pardon me, do we need to have public comment? Oh, Sorry. public comment. Okay, we are taking, Madam Chair, we are checking to see if there are any callers in the queue where we are currently taking public comment on agenda item number nine. Proposed stipulation, decision, and order in the matter of Yaku Asku. Please stand by. Madam Chair, there are no callers in the queue. Okay. Uh, public comment is closed. Roll call, please. A motion is made and seconded. Everyone, I'll take the roll. Commissioner Finlib. Aye. Chair Lee. Aye. Commissioner Romano. Aye. With three votes in the affirmative, you're the motion is approved unanimously. Thank you. Now let's move to agenda item number 10. I'm sorry, can I ask a quick question of the council? Since there are only three commissioners today, every vote has to be unanimous, right, for it to be approved? For it to pass. Is that right? Okay, thank you. Yes, Commissioner, that's correct. Peer pressure. <laughs> right. Agenda item number 10, Commissioner Romano. So I was wondering if you could describe what the story with this case, can you give a little narrative and why you uh, reached the conclusion that you did? Sure. Uh, so for the, for the record, this case uh, involves a current city commissioner. Um, this uh, case involves three counts, two for prohibited compensated advocacy and a third for failing to register and report as a lobbyist. Uh, so the respondent in this case is Gwyneth Borden. She's the vice president of the uh, MTA board of San Francisco. Uh, while she was serving as a commissioner, she worked for a private client, which is a restaurant, Fiorella. Uh, she helped them seek uh, a certain approval that they needed from the planning commission uh, in order to have a certain space at their new restaurant uh, be permitted for use. And she accepted payment from that restaurant to make communications with city officers and city employees, which is unlawful. City and officers are prohibited from doing that. And she was a former member of the planning commission. She herself had been on the planning commission previously. That's correct. correct. And how much did she receive? Uh, she received $12,500. For those lobbying contacts? Correct, for, for her representation of Fiorella, which uh, we understand partly her services were for things not involving contacting city officers, but primarily that is what the compensation was for. So the contacts themselves were unlawful. Uh, in addition, because she had been paid to contact city officers, those constitute lobbying contacts. Lobbying contacts have to be disclosed. You have to register as a lobbyist, you have to report. It's a little counterintuitive because she was prohibited from doing these contacts in the first place, but nonetheless, because she did them, she was required to report them as lobbying contacts. So that's what the third count is. Um, we thought it was more appropriate since the contacts themselves were prohibited to place more of the weight of the penalties on the compensated advocacy counts uh, 
as opposed to on the lobbying counts, but we did think it was important to include lobbying uh, as a count so that it was incorporated and it was clear that that is another violation that happened in this case. <clears throat> so the total penalty that you've come to is $9,000 here, is that right? That's what we were able to agree with the respondent yeah. on, yes. I was just curious about why you think that this um, case deserves a higher, higher penalty than the ASCU case. We think in this case uh, that it was pretty clear uh, that what this person was doing was unlawful, which is also true uh, of the ASCU case. Uh, but we think that there was a really extensive series of things that this person did. Uh, she made um, over 30 contacts. She made 32 contacts with six separate employees. Uh, whereas in the ASCU case, it was two votes um, that were done. Um, so we think that in this case, there was there are many, many more instances for this individual uh, to realize that what she was doing was not appropriate. Uh, so we think that that was definitely an aggravating factor. Uh, also, the fact that she had been on the planning commission uh, and then was engaging in compensated advocacy, we thought really increased the danger for undue influence in the appearance of unfair advantage um, and the fact that it was totally not disclosed, whereas with the ASCU case, this was done in a public proceeding, people could see it. Um, the facts were much more readily available to the public. In this case, it was not visible at all. And am I confusing cases, but she had received a waiver from this committee to do uh, some of this work? No, you, you're confusing that with the ASCU case. Oh, I'm sorry. He, he had received a waiver to do different things. He had received but he'd a, come a compensated advocacy waiver okay. uh, that would allow him to work for architecture clients and to make contacts with certain city commissions. And am I correct that the maximum penalty is three times 12,000 times three? For the compensated advocacy counts, yes. Or it could be 15,000. No, that's not the, I'm asking what the maximum is 12,500 times three for each count. Uh, it, it, I think it would just be that number times three. Not for each count? Uh, no, I, because I don't think we could replicate the, the amount that she okay. earned across multiple counts. I but think we, a, we'd just count it once. But it's at least thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. That's correct. Here, okay. That would be the maximum. Um, my, my concern with this one is Number one, um, this individual has served as a commissioner in various capacities for over 10 years, so which means she's gone through at least 10 trainings. Uh, so uh, for count three, uh, I, I, would, I would want to see a higher penalty, the maximum, because she should have known that she should have registered as a lobbyist. Um, so I wonder why um, that was not imposed. And also for the compensated advocacy, uh, again, um, you know, uh, it deserved to be a maximum penalty, in my opinion. So that's my concern in this matter. Do you want to make the motion similar to what you did on the last? Uh, I would. Similar, uh, reject this 
uh, stipulation uh, proposal and direct the staff to go back to work with the individual and come back with another proposal, proposed settlement. Seconded. We have a question from staff. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, public comment, please. Thank you, Madam Chair. As we check for callers in the queue, we are taking public comment on agenda item number 10, proposed stipulation, decision, and order in the matters of Gwyneth Borden. Confirm there's no in person. Okay, public comment is. Oh, hold on. No, we, I'm sorry, Madam Chair. It looks like we do have one caller in the queue. Please stand by. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. Great. David Pilfell, you can hear me okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, a couple of thoughts on this one. Um, I don't express a, a strong view on whether to approve or reject this uh, proposed. Uh, stipulation. Uh, I understand if you want to send it back uh, for further uh, discussion and negotiation, that's fine. I would suggest in something like this to have the penalty not exceed the total compensation that the individual received. And I think I heard that uh, the individual uh, received 12500 for the work. So it would seem to me like the total penalty shouldn't exceed that uh, amount. It, it seems uh, although it, it certainly does create a deterrent effect, it seems unusual to me that you would um, require more uh, uh, remuneration from a respondent than they actually received for the uh, alleged uh, improper conduct. Anyway, just a, a thought about that. Um, and to the broader um, issue of uh, stipulations generally, it took me a while to find the amount um, I had to go through the agenda to the staff report. It's not in the STIP itself. It's the last line on Exhibit A uh, to the stipulation. I would suggest that you think in the future about listing on the agenda for a proposed uh, STIP decision and order in the matter of, of so-and-so um, that the uh, proposal is for the respondent to pay X or if there are other material terms to uh, call out those material terms on the agenda so it makes uh, pretty clear to the public uh, what the proposed uh, settlement scope is. Uh, just some thoughts to share. Thanks very much for listening. Okay. Thank you. Um, public comment is... Madam Chair, there's no further callers in the queue. Okay. Public comment is closed. Roll call, please. A motion has been made and seconded. I will now take roll. Commissioner Finlib. Aye. Chair Lee. Aye. Commissioner Romano. Aye. With three votes in the affirmative, it's passed unanimously, Charlie. Okay. Um, item number 11, proposed stipulation decision and order in the matter of Celine Kennelly, uh, Commissioner Romano. So I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. So this is somebody who failed to file their 700 form and participated in the, uh, I forget what committee they were, commission they were on. The immigrants' rights. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it's kind of the same I mean, I understand why they're two separate counts, but it's one count for failing to register and one for continuing to do their duties without having registered. Correct. All right. Um, in this instance, I would say that that would be double count. I would prefer the penalty to just be one or the other. I would suggest a penalty of $500. Well, go ahead, Commissioner Finla. I was going to say, I think the fine is appropriate, but 
since there are only three of us, any one of us can hold this up. <laughs> yep. So, um, and the impact of that will be, it basically gets rejected if it doesn't get approved. Um, so, but I, I think the fine is appropriate. I, I think it could have been one count at a, um, I, yeah, I, I, do, I think it's fine. Oh, sorry. I do have a question. Um, usually when the commissioner um, forgot to file a 700, usually it's the specific commission staff to remind the commissioner, right? So they, they were given the opportunity to refile, even though it's delayed. Correct, yeah. The respondent in this case was reminded uh, to file it. Uh, we talk about that in the material facts uh, that reminders were sent March 15th and March 30th uh, by the city administrator's filing officer. Uh, the respondent still didn't file, and then the respondent did file after talking to us. And we note that in here that that remedial action was taken. That's why we think the minimum penalty of $500 is appropriate. Um, oh, so that's the, that there's no reduced penalty? $500 is the minimum? Yeah. Uh, correct, yeah, $500 is the minimum penalty. And because the respondent cooperated, very quickly filed the Form 700, uh, although this isn't eligible for SARP, for the Streamlined Administrative uh, <laughs> Program, we went ahead and pegged it to that because we thought it, it was appropriate to do. Okay, got it. And um, she filed it about a month after you contacted her, right? uh, That's correct, yes. Yeah, okay. So it was after our intervention but even though she knew she had failed to file. She had been notified before the deadline, her, yes. Yeah. And the second thing is because she, because we're talking about two um, separate items, right? She failed to file uh, and she took, um, she continued to vote on commission matter. So that's two separate penalties that we're looking at. Correct, they're right. two separate violations of law. Right. Um, our take is definitely that it's important to keep them separate, um, you know, out of fairness to the commissioners who merely fail to file but then cease all activity. Those folks shouldn't be getting the same penalty as the ones who fail to file but then keep voting on things. There needs to be a higher penalty for that. That's why that rule exists. Okay. Yeah, I actually think that's a really good point Mr. Ford just made. Um, they're not, I don't think it's double counting or double whatever stacking. There really are people who fail to file and then say, oh, I haven't filed yet, so I'm just going to step away from my commission? Well, I th sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was going to say, I think there are circumstances where commissioners just tap out, basically, stop being involved in whatever they're doing, which includes they're not filing, but they're also not showing up to meetings anymore. They just don't do anything. That's correct. That's not what happened here. That's the commissioner was still engaged and still doing stuff, just didn't file their appropriate forms. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> just the point is that they're separate kind of violations. That no, I hear that, but true. I think just ghosting on your job is probably worse than continuing to do your job for the city, just not having to file your disclosure. Well, not from I, a conflict perspective. I, no, I, I appreciate it. I'm just, yeah. So I just, uh, I would like to ask, given the, the, the numbers that we have to deal with today, I would like to ask if Commissioner Romano would uh, reconsider. I'm not going to vote on this one. You mean you're going to vote no on it? Sure, I'll vote no on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> same, same difference. Yeah, okay. No, I thought you were going to. No, I, I to accept my proposal. What I would in, what I would vote for is a five hundred dollar fine on one count, or if you can't go lower to two fifty on both, but apparently you can't do that. So that's what I would suggest as a penalty. But if that's wait for the rest of the commission to be here to maybe override me. 
So just to clarify, Commissioner Romano, so your issue is more with the total amount of the penalties as opposed to the number of counts. So you would you would be in favor of two counts for this, but only if the total penalty were I don't, cut. I don't, I don't really care how you get to 500, <laughs> but I think that that's the right number. Okay, so it is more of the penalty amount. Yes. Okay. Per count. No. 500 total, I don't care how you get there. 500 total for the penalty instead of? Thousand instead of a thousand dollars for a person who repeatedly ignored kind of advice. Yeah, who failed to, to failed to failed to file a form. That penalty amount, just to be clear, would be equivalent to what everyone else gets for just filing the form, failing to file the form seven hundred. And that's what I think that she did. If you want to pr provide evidence that she, you know, was trying to hide things or to somehow mislead the city committee, the public, that's fine. I'd be open to that. But I think that she, from what I've read, the only thing that I've read is she continued to do her job, which I think is actually more beneficial to the city than the other ex um, examples that you gave, and didn't file the form. She should have filed the form, and I think $500 fine is fine for that. I think if she hadn't been reminded, I might be with you, but the fact that she got these several reminders and still didn't file it, to me, is significant. Yeah. Uh, it's the opposite of mitigating, enhancing factor. I, I do think that it wasn't like no one reminded her or she did not know. And this is a repeated offense. And the, the commission staff had report, reportedly reminded her, which she chose not to uh, follow through until the commission staff uh, contacted her. So Did she say why me, she didn't? Um, sorry to interrupt. Did she say why she didn't um, file after she was reminded by the commission staff? Oh, uh, senior investigator Eric Willett worked the case and he was just sharing that uh, the respondent told us that she had had some personal issues and was also traveling. Okay. It was an extended period of time. I don't think that's a great... Uh, justification but I think we've covered this one I think we should just uh, but, but, but I do want to make sure that the staff understands it's not like we want you to go back and just come up with a number but to well I do well we do we may have two different numbers then because I definitely do not see um, well probably will happen for three counts as a appropriate right. number so maybe you can come back and it, give us a more detail. I mean, um, you have to come back. Yeah, I think Commissioner Romano is daring you to come back with the same amount and we'll have a different commission body and this will probably get approved. Um, so I think that's probably what, well, who knows, but I think that's one uh, universe where that happens. Or you right. come back with a number that I, with $500 and I will vote to approve that. I might try bringing the same step back, not out of any disrespect to Commissioner Romano, but to try and save staff's time and the respondent's time just to see what additional commissioners think about it and see if we can find out what the commission as a whole, where the equilibrium point is. If that also turns out to be a no, I think maybe that would then be a more appropriate point because really this would be a, a little bit of a resetting of enforcement priorities, right? It would mean that we're actually not going to impose penalties for voting while disqualified. And yep. that would be kind of an important thing that we need to know um, so that we can we kind of continue all of our operations accordingly. But under different, I'm not saying that we're, you know, 
erasing laws from the books. I'm just saying under this circumstance, I think to, to me, this feels like double counting. Um, I I'd also appreciate if you informed uh, Ms. Kennelly of the situation. Yep, yeah, we'll, we'll let her know, certainly. Also, Mr. Ford, can you remind us if uh, I thought we had imposed penalties for commissioners who continue to vote, continue to carry out the duties as commissioners uh, while they were in violation of not filing 700, or was I mistaken? Uh, I, I would need to look to see if that's been included on prior uh, form 700 cases. It, it would be if we had found it before. And I thought that was another incentive for folks to file the 700 uh, timely because that was one of the. Yes, that, that was certainly the commission's intent back when the rule was created right. um, back in 2019. Um, I was part of that project. I mean, that was definitely the, what, what the thinking was, uh, both to create an incentive and also to keep folks from taking actions if the public wasn't alerted about what their financial interests were, that that was a danger. Exactly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Okay, now let's go to regular. Do we need to vote on this? Did we vote on this one? <laughs> we, we Do we need to? Speed. Did we vote on this one already? Do we need to? Well, I think you can make a motion if you have a motion you'd like to make. Or I'll make a motion to approve the, I guess we'll have dueling motions perhaps. Well, why don't we just, I'll just simplify things. I'm not going to vote to approve this, so I move to, um, send it uh, back to, the staff. to send it back to the staff as we discussed and agendize it for the next uh, meeting. Second. Okay. Public comment. Madam Chair, we are checking to see if there are any callers in the queue. Please stand by. We have one caller in the queue. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. Great, David Pilpel again. So uh, looking through this and uh, hearing the uh, discussion, I uh, don't know the respondent uh, individual. I did go back and look at the um, conflict of interest code and apparently the Immigrant Rights Commission um, is a category one uh, filer. And I guess the, the thing that, that gets me the, the most here is that we have kind of the same category one filing obligations for people that actually employ folks and vote on contracts and have actual decision-making authority, whereas this body is merely advisory. And I think it, it really calls some attention to carefully applying um, the disclosure uh, categories. This probably shouldn't be uh, a level one uh, filer for uh, immigrant rights. I, I just think that those bodies, whether it's the Board of Soups, Planning Commission, MTA Board, that actually have decision-making authority should be held to a higher uh, standard like a, a, a level one uh, filer. And those that are merely advisory should be at a lower level or perhaps not even in the code if their only function is to advise um, others and they're not actually voting on something that implicates um, a financial interest. Um, et cetera. So I, I, I think I agree with the, um, the commissioner on 500 being the appropriate amount uh, and, and not caring how you get there. But I do think that there are two appropriate uh, counts here. Uh, one is failure to file and the other is continuing to uh, participate in the absence of a, uh, an appropriate filing. Uh, those are my thoughts. Thanks for listening. Madam Chair, there's no further callers in the queue. 
Okay, public comment is closed. Roll call for item number 11, please. Motion has been made and seconded. Commissioner Finlove. No. Chair Lee. This is a motion to reject this and send it back, right? Yeah. I'm rejecting that motion, so I think we will okay. be back where we started and have to do this over again. Chair Lee. Aye. Oh. Commissioner Romano. All right. Does... And I'll explain my thinking because I think mechanically, I think we should try to approve this. It will be rejected, and then it then the step is rejected. But that I think is the proper posture for this. And then That's it comes fine. back. That's as fine. opposed I was to, trying to, I was just trying to. No, I, I know we're trying to get to the same place. I just don't want to be on record rejecting this proposal, which I don't. I would approve this. Got it. So I think mechanically, it's cleaner if the motion to approve it fails, which I think is the ends up in the same place. But I think that's the right place to be. So I move to accept the proposed stipulation presented by enforcement. And if there's no second, then we'll let them in the same place. But I'll have my hey, I'll clean record. That one. You don't have to. I mean, it's fine if, uh, <laughs> if it doesn't oh, oh, get okay. seconded. Um, I won't second it then. Okay. Motion fails as I understand it, right? And then we're done. Okay. Is that, is that right? Yeah. If, can the minutes reflect um, Commissioner Finlow's position? Just so I'm sure they will. They do a diligent job on the motion. Okay, let's go to regular calendar. Uh, now is item number 12, which is proposed stipulation decision and order in the matter of David Mawani. Uh, so this step is already on the regular calendar, uh, not because the commissioner pulled it, but because of the timing when it was signed. Uh, I mentioned this last month. Uh, if we conclude a step with the respondent, Shortly before the meeting, uh, we give the commissioners uh, normally time to decide whether they want to pull it. When it's so close in time, we just place it on regular calendar in case you have, uh, you know, if you want to have a discussion. So that's why it's here. Uh, it's a very similar case uh, to item 11. Um, so I'll be curious to hear what Commissioner Romano thinks about this one. Um, it's different in that it involves two Farm 700s that weren't filed as opposed to one. It's different in that there's much more income that wasn't disclosed. Uh, the Form 700s were filed, however, much, much later than in the other case. And also this individual, uh, Mr. Wadwani, is on uh, a commission that is not purely advisory. It does make uh, actual governmental decisions, uh, which we thought increased the amount of uh, risk or public harm present in the case. So that's why the penalty that we arrived at with the respondent uh, is higher than what's reflected in item 11. Uh, glad to answer any questions you might have about this. Thank you, Mr. Ford. And just some of these cases are flowing together. But in this one, I think there were also reminders to file, right, that the filer uh, did not uh, respond to. Yes, that's that's correct. And in the, the first instance, this was uh, 2020, so the deadline was actually extended uh, by a couple months. You might remember that. The PPC extended the deadline. I have, this looks good to me. Motion to approve. Can you describe maybe a helpful, uh, what kind of votes the filer voted on during the pendency of the? Uh, yep, I could definitely do that. Uh, so that's listed on page seven of the STIP. So there were two meetings um, that this commissioner participated in. One was December 8th, um, and you can see there were three uh, actions. Um, I think one of them was just a, a procedural thing, was the minutes 
Um, the other two, I think, actually did pertain to business uh, that was being approved. Uh, and then the second meeting was February 9th, 2021. Again, you see some minutes. Um, and then after that, there were um, uh, things that actually did involve business and funding and financial transactions. Thank you, Mr. Ford. And just for me, I think it's important to keep in mind why we have these rules in the first place. It's so that members of the public, the media, anyone can look at what people's potential conflicts of interest are. But for that to happen, uh, when those folks are taking votes on matters before their, before their bodies, and we can't do that effectively if the underlying interests are not disclosed. So to me, these are significant uh, issues. I move to approve this uh, step. Public comment. Second. You second. No, I just asked for a second. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I misunderstood. I'll second. Okay. Uh, public comment, please. Madam Chair, we are checking to see if there are any callers in the queue. Please stand by. Members of the public, we are now taking public comment on agenda item 12, proposed stipulation, decision, and order in the matter of David Wadwana, Wani. Madam Chair, there's no callers in the queue. Okay, uh, roll call, please. Commissioner Finlib. Aye. Chair Lee. Aye. Commissioner Romano. Aye. Motion is made and seconded, and Madam Chair, with three votes in the affirmative, it is passed, approved unanimously. Okay, thank you. And Mr. Ford, while you're up there, I want to just thank you and enforcement staff. The last few months, we've seen a, a lot of enforcement actions. It's been nice to see. I don't know what explains the increase. I'm not asking you, but I think it's great. And thank you for your work and your staff's work. Yep. Thank you. And thank you to all of them. Most of them are here um, today. Um, and we can talk more about that when we get to the next quarterly report about, you know, kind of where we are uh, operationally. But uh, this is a result of just hard work that the team's been, been putting in. There's no other, no other real explanation of it. Um, and I'll, I'll wait until you call item 13, but then we can. I, I'll I think that work up. is obvious and we appreciate it. So thanks. Thank you. Agenda item number 13, discussion of enforcement hearing guidebook draft. Um, uh, so item 13, um, uh, senior investigator Zach D'Amico will be talking to you about. I'll just give you a quick intro if you want to come on up, Zach. Um, so this is a good segue uh, from some of the earlier agenda items today. Um, so the purpose of this is to uh, try to create a resource that the commission, respondents, staff, the public, uh, basically all stakeholders can use to really understand the administrative hearing process, uh, how it works, uh, where the areas are that the commission is going to need to uh, make some decisions about how the process works. Uh, and the, the whole purpose of today is to give you a quick tour of it and to get any feedback or questions uh, that you might have. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll also want to reach out to Commissioner Flores Fang. Uh, even though she's not here today, to make sure that she, you know, uh, that it works for her and get any feedback that she has. So we'll, we'll be doing that. Uh, but I'll turn it over to Zach at this point. Thank you, Pat. We have a presentation. Hopefully, everyone can see it. Uh, good morning, Charlie and commissioners. My name, as Pat mentioned, is Zach D'Amico. I'm a senior investigator with the Enforcement Division. 
I'm going to give you an overview, as he mentioned, of the draft version of our hearing guidebook. So for the record, this guidebook was prepared by myself and fellow senior investigator B.C. Matthews, who's sitting behind me. Uh, we're two attorneys with the Enforcement Division. It was reviewed by Enforcement Director Pat Ford, and it incorporated feedback from the City Attorney's Office. So as Pat mentioned, today is just about giving you a quick overview of the hearing guidebook, which was created to give you general information about our administrative hearing process. The goal of the guidebook itself is twofold. One, to help everyone understand the process for handling a case for which there's been a finding of probable cause and is moving forward. And the second is to help understand the role and the duty of the commission itself in this process. The guidebook is based on the Commission's enforcement regulations and other applicable laws, including the California APA. Uh, and it's sought, it, it, it seeks to summarize the requirements from the laws and also to identify the gaps and ambiguities in the laws and to present options for actions the Commission could take to help address those gaps. Uh, I'm going to provide a short high-level roadmap. We're going to take time if you have feedback or questions today. We also understand you may want more time to digest this, so we welcome your feedback uh, after this meeting, hopefully by, we're hoping, the end of next week for all feedback and questions, and then we're going to turn towards finalizing a version of this for publication on the website in May. Can I ask you a quick question just on that exact point? Sure. And I appreciate that schedule. But there's no, if for some reason it's not finalized in May, that doesn't present any like legal issues, right? This is purely a service we're providing Correct. to the public, right? Correct. Thank you. So uh, as you all are aware, the administrative hearing phase is a part of the larger enforcement process. The rest of it, I'm sure you're very familiar with. The process begins with the submission of a complaint alleging a potential violation or a staff-initiated complaint complaints reviewed to identify potential violations that fall within the Commission's jurisdiction. If those are found, the Director of Enforcement initiates an investigation. If that investigation substantiates violations, we have two options. One is to pursue a stipulated settlement agreement as, you know, as has been shown through this meeting. This is our preference and our practice is to give respondents the opportunity to settle a matter. There are cases, and when there are cases, when the enforcement division and respondents cannot come to an agreement regarding a stipulation, the division has the, op the option to proceed to the hearing stage to resolve the matter. So again, this guidebook is just focused on that administrative hearing phase, which consists of probable cause proceeding, preliminary matters, and a hearing on the merits. We felt the guidebook was particularly important because the commission has not had any hearings in quite a long time. Uh, and because there are several matters pending where there are potential hearings coming up, we wanted to give this uh, context. So the guidebook is split into three sections, as I mentioned, probable cause proceedings, preliminary matters, and hearing on the merits. The commission itself has a very small role to play in the probable cause proceedings. It comes at the end of that process, and we have already gone through that process with several cases, demonstrating how it will work. So I'm not going to cover that first section today. It's in the guidebook. We welcome questions and feedback on that section of the guidebook, but for today, I'm going to focus on preliminary matters and hearing on the merits. So once a probable cause determination has been issued, the commission, the commission has certain preliminary matters that it has to resolve before a case can proceed to a hearing on the merits. This section of the guidebook is split into four parts. Part 2A deals with 
who will make the decisions regarding preliminary matters. 2B addresses what exactly are preliminary matters. 2C deals with how those matters are resolved. And 2D in the guidebook touches on the, the filings, such as the hearing brief response and rebuttal, and the decision to set a date for the hearing. So first, the guidebook deals with the issue of who will decide preliminary matters. The enforcement regulations allow the commission to delegate authority to a pre-hearing officer if they choose. If they choose to do that, this person can be an individual commissioner or it can be an outside hearing officer. So for context, and as is indicated in the guide, staff recommend that the most efficient way to resolve preliminary matters is to delegate the authority to an individual commissioner. The guidebook describes the process for how to do this, and it also reviews all other options that the commission can take. Moving to section two, the nature and scope, very simply, this touches on the items that can and should be considered during the preliminary matters phase. This includes things like commissioner disqualification, discovery, subpoenas for witnesses and documents, and other similar items. Section 2C deals with the process for resolving preliminary matters, which is fundamentally uh, made up of three parts. Step one, any party can submit a motion to request consideration of preliminary matters, asking the commission or the pre-hearing officer to make a decision on a set of items. Next comes the actual decision, which again would be made by whoever is presiding over the preliminary matters, whether an individual commissioner or pre-hearing officer. And step three, if that decision is made by someone that you all have appointed as the pre-hearing officer, you all still have the right to review the determination on any preliminary matters by request. Moving to the final section in preliminary matters, this is the guidebook just provides a brief, brief overview of the filings uh, and discusses the executive director's responsibility for setting a hearing date. Moving to the hearing on the merits itself, uh, this is similarly split into four sections. Uh, I'll just jump right in. The first section, Similarly, with preliminary matters, the commission has to decide who will preside over the hearing. You have the same options here. The entire commission can preside, or you can appoint a hearing officer, which can be an individual commissioner or an outside attorney. I would note that you can make different decisions on preliminary matters and the hearing on the merits. If you would like to appoint a commissioner to deal with the preliminary matters, but want to retain the right to preside over the hearing as a full body, you're welcome to do that. Next, the guidebook goes into the general hearing protocols. These are a set of requirements that apply across all hearings that you should just be aware of heading into the hearings, things like language access for translations, public access to the hearings, the requirement to record a hearing, the rules of evidence that apply in hearings. Most of these requirements are fairly straightforward, very concrete, drawn directly from regulations. Uh, the next section, section three, goes through the presentation of the case. This is essentially how a hearing will run. Uh, this includes three main parts. The first is oral arguments, which may consist of opening and closing statements and a rebuttal. The second, exhibits, which is how the parties will introduce evidence at the hearing. And the third, witnesses, another tool to introduce evidence. Uh, and this, this, this part of the guidebook touches on the fact that at our hearings, both the parties and the commissioners can ask questions of witnesses. I would note in this section, unlike the prior one, there's a 
good deal of ambiguity and gaps in the law when it comes to how exactly a hearing will run. So a lot of this part is identifying all the different options you have before you and the decisions you'll have to make about what order things will go and who has what rights during the hearing. Moving finally to the fourth section, this is findings and orders. After the hearing is over, the commission will typically have two votes. The first will be whether or not to find a violation for each count. You have to vote either to find a violation or find no violation. Once you do that, if you find a violation, you then vote on any potential penalties or orders. Uh, you can you know, order certain corrective action or penalties. That is, again, the presentation is intended to be fairly high level at this point to give you a sense of what exactly you're looking at. Uh, Myself, Pat Ford, BC Matthews are all here to answer questions, receive your feedback and public comment right now. Uh, and again, if you want more time to digest, send additional feedback and questions. We welcome that over the course of the next week. Thank you for your attention. Yeah. Thank you. First of all, this is great. Thank you. I do have a couple of quick questions that, just for my own understanding, if the commission designates a commission hearing officer, does that officer then by herself or himself also vote on the findings, or does that require the full commission, even if there's a hearing officer designated? So if there's a hearing officer appointed, they have a, a duty to draft a report and recommendation after the hearing that summarizes everything that happened in the hearing and what they recommend to the commission, and then the commission as a whole does have to vote on whether or not there's been a violation. Got it. And then what about... Um, appeals from any decisions made by the commission itself or the appointee is there a process to the superior court or how is there is there an appeal maybe there are none i believe there is a process through superior court and that is the standard appeals process through the administrative regime great um but i think it's great and i think it's a great idea to create this publication um to the extent that there were gaps that you all identified in the process are there regulatory fixes that we need to I don't want to, I'm not asking you to answer right now, but if there are, maybe that's something to think about whether there are fixes that have to go through the regulatory or rulemaking process to actually create law that fills any gaps that you all identified. Um, so just, that's just something to, I'm throwing out there to keep in mind. Um, Thank but I you. think it's a great service to create this report and I think it's, I think it's well done. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to, apologies if you're repeating yourself, but Procedural matters, it seems like the substance of that is scheduling, filings, discovery. This is on pages 12 yes. and 13. Is that? Got it. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, that's the substance of what would be decided in the procedure. Correct, yes. Um, thank you again for a really well put together yeah, um, uh, report. Uh, I don't think this is the only commission who, whose members would serve as hearing officers or judge or what have you. Uh, have you consulted with other departments to look at, you know, lessons learned and best practices? Because I know the police commission, they do similar hearings as well. Uh, it would be good to hear. Uh, yeah, it's not something we've done so far since, uh, I think in part because we have our own specific enforcement regulations that apply, that don't apply to other commissions, but it's something, I think that's a great piece of advice and we'll definitely take that up as we move forward with potential hearings, absolutely. And also in terms of you, um, the route going toward the hearing officer, so who bears the expense? It, does it come out from our existing budget? Yes. Has it been budgeted? Do we usually carry that budget item? 
Could you clarify the question? For the hearing officer uh, option, the commission will bear the expense of hiring that person, right? Correct. So under what line item is it under our current budget? We do have a line item for legal expenses, but it is not sig significant. Less incentive to appoint one of ourselves and not hire someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, public comment, please. Madam Chair, we have no one in, in the public in person, and we do have one caller in the queue. Please stand by. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao. I spoke earlier today. Right after I spoke this morning, after commissioner, one person responded doing public comment to remove public comments due to disagreement for public opinion. And that's exactly what tyranny, dictatorship, communism is. Shame on the person spoke today to remove disagreement opinions. I exercise my freedom, freedom of speech, protected by the Constitution. Most public officials pay and bought into the office from the, for the Deep State Agenda 2030, the One World Government. Yes, I am 100% praying that God send death angels to remove evil people from all governments soon. Ethic Commission was set up to protect public from corrupted politicians and public workers. Item 13. Enforcement hearing guidebook. The three minutes is up, right? The three no, they weren't. We got, I thought you were motioning to go ahead and shut it. Oh, no, I just wanted to see when the three minutes. No, she, she, gets, she gets three minutes. I think no, the remaining of the three minutes, if she calls back. And discontinue. Uh, if not, I just want to ask the staff to, um, do you have that, that statement on the uh, protocol of uh, public comment, how you need to respect, how, how, the, uh, how we need to respect the caller, but the caller also has to abide by certain um, rules. Don't we have that? Commissioner, yes. there's the, the Can you read a, yeah. it into the record, please? Right. There's a, the mayoral policy on um, certain types of public comment that can be read after that something like that happens. It's usually comments that directed that's directed towards a particular um, commissioner, as rather than a particular like, characteristic of a public of a public protected category. So I, I'm not sure it would necessarily reflect this situation, but if someone has a copy of it, we can certainly read it. If we can just read it into the record of how the public comments will be conducted. Members of the public who attend commission meetings, including remote attendants, are also expected to behave responsibly and respectfully. Persons who engage in name calling, shouting, interruptions, or other, other distracting behavior may be excluded from participation. Uh, the following behaviors or activities are strictly prohibited during remote participation, applause or vocal expression of support or opposition, signs of regardless of content or message, profanity, threats of physical aggression. You want me to continue? Okay, thank you. Okay, public comment is 
Okay, so we have one more caller in the queue. We have one more caller in the queue, Charlie. Please stand by. Uh, Welcome, Sokal. caller. Uh, sorry. Welcome, David. caller. Your three minutes begins now. Okay, thanks. Uh, David Pilpel again. Um, I uh, glanced through the, the guidebook uh, very quickly. Um, I, I will try to make some time to look at it at, at greater depth. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I will say it's not my highest priority right now, uh, but perhaps I'll, I'll try to contact uh, Pat Ford. Uh, or the uh, senior investigators and, and discuss a little bit. If um, staff either today or in the future could remind us when was the last actual hearing um, on the merits before the uh, commission, that would probably jog my memory because I was uh, likely at the uh, commission uh, meeting at that time, having attended many, many commission meetings uh, over the years. Um, and uh, I definitely agree with uh, uh, Chair Lee's uh, suggestion uh, to check in with the police commission because I know that they spend uh, a lot of their time in closed session and uh, with individual assigned commissioners uh, handling disciplinary matters, understanding that their laws and, and framework are different from uh, this commission. The idea of an individual commissioner uh, hearing uh, a case or hearing aspects of a, a case does have uh, application um, and so that that may be relevant. There may be other uh, examples with the Fire Commission or the Civil Service Commission uh, that similarly um, may inform your uh, discussions on on that those aspects of the uh, guidebook. But, but thanks again for uh, the work that staff has uh, uh, put into um, uh, preparing this uh, in the event that there are uh, future hearings on the merits uh, because those matters don't settle into a step. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Public comment is closed. Madam Chair, did you oh. want to go back to that first caller since we uh, put her on pause and then give her her remaining time or do you want to give her another three? Yes, minutes? just to be fair. Okay. Uh, remaining balancing time she does not get. All right, uh, here we go with public comment. Welcome, caller. You have two minutes remaining. Your two minutes begins now. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao. Thank you for giving me the minute, and thank you for being fair. God bless your heart. The purpose of guideline from item 13 today is to assist commissions and publics in understand the legal process in place for commissions to consider evidence in case determine whether the violation had occurred. So the word legal is for attorneys and judges who knows the law. And you also say the process are core features of the mission's role as administratives to enforce the body the role was established if city charter with commission was first formed. My question to you, how can administrators enforce laws when you are not judges and lawyers? Consider what you write, and I, I'm here today to deliver you a message. Ethic commissions, for your, for your information, codes, guidelines, regulations, and, and mandates, illegal mandates, for taxpayers, workers, and public officials, which is you are which that has nothing to do with the people. 
we, the people who pay you to be in positions to do good for general welfare. So, so far, I've experienced many of the leaders, politicians, including mayors, and many of the leaders in Department of HR and so-called commissioners. They retaliate people who have disagreement. They will go after you, even you spoke the truth, nothing but the truth. I'm here to ask you to repent today, return to righteousness with morale and common sense, with human dignity. For three minutes has expired. Madam Chair, there's no further callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment is closed for this item. Um, can we take a five-minute break before we go to the next item? SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Agenda item number 14, which is proposed closed session item. Today's agenda includes a proposed closed session item and item 14 for an update with labor negotiator regarding labor negotiations and public employee appointment. Uh, the specific item number 14D has been removed. Uh, so we are only doing um, the personnel item, public employee appointment for this closed session. Um, let's see. Do I have to read? Do I have to read? Mr. You can go ahead and move on to public comment on item 14E. Okay. So let's have public comment on item number 14E, which is. Um, which is public employee, public employee appointment executive director. Public comment, please. 
Madam Chair, we have one caller in the queue. Please stand by. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. Thank you again. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao. I said it earlier, I have been working for the city and county government as a public health worker. I am still a delegate representing the government employee. I was terminated because I refused to accept a bioweapon COVID-19 vaccination. More than 2,500 public employees got terminated, forced for retirement by the evil policy and the deep state representative in the government. This policy, IDM14E, is nothing but public lies. We have so many crimes against the people, yet the mayor bowed down to the criminals, fire public police because people refuse a bioweapon COVID-19. Now we know many people accept the bioweapon COVID-19 die sick. Many people already lost their life. I am here today as a public employee speaking to you and the public. Wake up, people. The San Francisco government, the mayor, 18 electoral officials, they are nothing but representing the communism. They are not for the people. They fire people like the firemen, like the police, public workers. More than 5,000 people forced termination, early retirement. That is why now we see a lot of people dying on the street, lack of staff in the police. It takes about a year and a half for a police to be on the street. Yet the mayor will not care if you, the public, are dying or not. More than 2,000 government employees terminate because they believe in medical freedom, medical choice, and civil liberty that is protected by our Constitution. Public people and the people sitting in there, the ethic commissions and staff, please save our public. You have the obligation to work with the Department of Public uh, Services and Department of Human Services and your mandate vaccination so people can go back to work. We have 1,168 people who are Christians and Catholics who believe in God, believe in Jesus, terminated by the illegal mandate vaccination. Your three policy. minutes has expired. Okay. Madam Public Chair, there's in. no further callers okay, in the queue. Public comment is closed. Let's go to, oh, do I have a motion? Session. Uh, so moved. Second. Okay. Roll call, please. A motion has been made and seconded to now go into closed session. I will now take roll. Commissioner Finlu. Aye. Chair Lee. Aye. Commissioner Romano. Aye. With three votes in the affirmative, it's an approved unanimously, Chair Lee.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
We are now back in public session. I want to thank the members of the public for your patience and continued engagement. We are now resume our open session meeting. Do I have a motion on whether to disclose any action taken? I move. Sorry, Madam Chair. Session. I move to not disclose the content of our closed session. Second. Okay. Roll call, please. Motion has been made and seconded. I will now call roll. Commissioner Finlov? Aye. Chair Lee? Aye. Commissioner Romano? Aye. With three votes in the affirmative, the motion is approved unanimously. Thank you. Item number 15, um, discussion and possible action on items for future meetings. I have an item. Uh, I would like a, gen a concerted effort to streamline these hearings and a proposal from perhaps you, the chair, or somebody at staff on how to do that. I had three specific questions that I'd like addressed. Can we limit public sessions, public uh, comment section sessions? I understand that we already do one more than's required by law. I think we have plenty of public comment. I don't mean to quiet public comment. I just want to avoid the redundancy. Um, can we amend our bylaws to limit our hearings to three hours? And can we consider having our hearings every other month? Just to try to focus and concentrate our work and be a little bit more efficient, it would be very helpful to me. So I don't know if you wanna handle that, Chair, or if you wanna designate staff to try to come up with some kind of proposal. I know for the first one, limited public comments, we've had discussions on that one already. Each agenda. That's right, Commissioner. Um, the Brown Act and Sunshine Ordinance require the Commission to take public comment on every item. I think that what Commissioner Romano was referring to is the Commission's bylaws required two general public comment items, and I don't, I'm not aware of any law that would require that to appear twice on the agenda. The commission needs to take general public comment, the separate item for general public comment, only once during every regular meeting. So that would be a amendment to the bylaws if you wanted to change it. You want to, I, would, I move to amend our bylaws to have only one general public comment. I think we'd probably need to agendize that item before we take action on it. Okay. Would, yes, exactly. Good verb, agendaize, by the way. Okay, so in terms of limited to three hours, um, I don't, I don't. So I think Commissioner Romano's hope is that we don't deal with it right now, but that he plants these seeds and then someone does the appropriate research or thinking about it to then come forward with. Or proposals. other ways to streamline the process. So yep. those are the three ideas that I had, plus any others. Worthy of consideration. Um, I have nothing on that topic. I think it's. A, I think they're fine. Well, ideas. there's an open question as to what, who's going to. I'm. I'm happy to come up with those proposals, and we can agendize it. You can do it. You volunteer. You is yours. Okay. So, I would like to agendize at our. Well, next meeting is going to be a long one. I think you can work with staff whenever you're, it's convenient for you, and then when the ideas are ready, you can work with the chair to put it on the agenda. Okay. And 
be appropriate to put it on the uh, later agenda when we have a new ED after June, hopefully. All right, I'll, I'll work on it. Thank you. And the third item that you mentioned would be less meetings to meet every it's all part of it's all part of my streamlining oh, okay okay so that's your whole report okay thank you related to that and at, i think we meet at 10 a.m because there's an idea that it makes the public easier to engage with us i'm not sure it's having that effect for me personally meeting in the afternoons might be easier so i would throw that out there for consideration um and obviously if it doesn't work it doesn't work but um just curious what your immediate reactions are see Mr. romano shaking his head seems like a no from that side I think we we were stuck with this time slot because um, because we needed the the, the equipment, right? So we're limited to the type of rooms that we hold our meetings in, and secondly, uh, we came late to the game, so to speak. So all the prime slots were taken. And there's always been a concern that once we moved to the 10 o'clock, which was the only one available at that time, we lost a lot of uh, public members of the public who could not make it during the, the, the work hours to participate. So we've been looking at other uh, opening spots that we can hold our meetings, but so far that we haven't found any. The only thing available at that time was a Friday afternoon, and we said that would not work. Uh, for us so okay. but we can ask the staff to look at you know other opening so slots well if the other commissioners don't want to then we can end the conversation there so it's fine um well we used to have evening meetings I'm not suggesting evening i'm suggesting afternoon you want friday afternoons yes for work reasons that's a lot easier personal reasons i think um the Friday afternoons would be tough when we have a three-day weekend, number one. Then people may be leaving early, even the commissioners. I just want to bring this up. Second thing is, um, if the purpose of having these open public meetings is to bring in the, the members of the public, Friday afternoon may not be good because I myself would hit the yeah, well, I'm not sure the, the happy hour <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, not sure so the public anyway. is loving 10 a.m. either, but uh, those are all fair points. All right. We used to have evening meetings. Yeah, that seems like a terrible idea for staff and everyone else. <laughs> but we can always explore what's, what are the opening slots because we're dictated by the technology. Right. Because we have the broadcast of meetings. Okay. Okay. Uh, Do you, in fact, want me to look in, into that? No, it seems dead on arrival. I aired it out. It was not uh, no, jumped no, on. So no, I, I meant, I meant uh, certainly look at what's available. But my understanding was all the good slots had been taken. Could, could we just clarify what, what, what would be a better um, time? I was suggesting Friday afternoon, but I appreciate that that's not a idea that the other commissioners like, so I'm happy not discussing it further. You want me to add it to my um, streamlining project? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I will, I will. But I think any, housekeeping project. any exploration of the meetings, the, the purpose of these public meetings is to entice the public to engage with us. So if an evening meeting works for the public, uh, we've heard that 
10 o'clock is really hard for folks to come to these meetings. That's why we were looking at after, late afternoon, like 4 o'clock meeting starts, and we did not have any available. So that, that was the intent of looking at alternate meeting times, not for us, but for the public. But you can take a look if there's anything opening at 5 o'clock. I'll, I'll, I'll take, can I, is it okay if I take this on as part of my housekeeping project? Oh, sure. All right, perfect. Okay, uh, so public comment. Please. We are checking to see if there's callers in the queue, Madam Chair, and the, we do have one caller in the queue. Please stand by. For the record, I want to increase public participation but decrease the amount of time that we take on. Agreed. Understood. Welcome, caller. Your three minutes begins now. Well, happy Friday again. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao. I spoke earlier three times today. I live in San Francisco for more than 37 years. I worked for the public health department for many, many years. This is a public hearing, Brown Act and Sunshine Ordinary, and the United States Constitution give public a voice to report and voice comments about government corruption, transparent government, allow all kinds feedbacks and opinions, including prayers, public prayers for God to protect the public. Also send death angels to remove all evil people. I'm sorry, I don't think that we should. Can evil government. I'm sorry, Chair, for interrupting. I just don't think that we should have a forum for people calling for the death of people who are city workers. I just don't think we should do it. I think conceptually that's a great point. I'm not sure legally where the public comment The public, we in. read it, it said you can't urge violence against anybody. This is the third time she's done it. Yeah, I find those comments abhorrent. <laughs> that's not the issue. But I would just additionally advise the chair that um, the public commenter needs to be uh, speaking on the matter that's under consideration, and this item is about agenda items for future meetings, and it doesn't seem like what the commenter was referencing would be related to anything within the jurisdiction of the commission or that would appear on its agenda. I think you should let her continue her comment and you know, finish her time. All right, caller, please stand by. You have two minutes remaining. Your two minutes begins thank now. Thank you, commissioners. I thank God for you. You have a heart to serve the public. Please direct your for comments to an agenda item. To serve the public as commissioners. We appreciate your time. If you don't have time, just don't serve. Leave. Allow those who are willing to have time, willing to hear what the public comment is, May God bless each one of you. May God give you the visions and dreams to take care of the people in San Francisco. Ask God for what you can do to revive our city. Ask God what you can do to eliminate government corruptions. 
eliminate evil politicians and the evil policy, so we all can live in a healthier city and a happier life, so the homeless can be revived, the drug dealers can be arrested, the police can come back to work, the fire department can have full staff to protect our city, and our public health workers can go back to work, and all 1,168 government employees who are Christians and Catholics, who believe in God, who believe in Jesus Christ, can come back to work. This is the future item that I oppose to you, that I, I propose to you. I opposed those who do not want to hear public comment and serve as a public commissioner. You should get out of your seat. I was and I am still working for the public. I am a civic grand jury and I investigate government corruption myself. You should not sitting in there and hear public hearing. The opinion is different than you. In God we trust. This nation was created by God and this government Your created three minutes by has expired. Okay. Madam Chair, there's no further callers in okay. the queue. Item adjournment. No discussion. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Happy weekend. I'm sorry to jump in. I just. Uh... But you know the this. Are we?